Hello, I'm Doug Martin. And I'm Tasha Martin. Together, we share the joy of personal relationship with Jesus, marriage, children, and serving Vision Church in Lake Worth as pastors. Well, as the worship leader, I just want to invite you to come and worship with us. Well, something special happens when you come into the presence of God and His people in worship. As the lead pastor, I want to invite you to a very friendly and warm church that has a vision that it wants to share with everyone, seeing Jesus for us, in us, and through us. We're glad that you've decided to listen to our podcast, and I hope that if you're close enough to visit, you'll come by at 9.45 a.m. on Sunday morning, and after the service, say hello to us in the foyer. We would love to meet you. You can also connect with us at visionchurch.ag, on Facebook at agvisionchurch.ag, and on YouTube by searching for Vision Church Assembly of God. Here's my husband, Doug, preaching a message from Sunday. So we're starting this this morning. It's called, This is My Story. Now, it's almost impossible for me to say that phrase without in the back of my mind hearing that song that I sung at least 1,272 times in church. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. That captured the essence of somebody who knew the power of their story because of what God had done in their life. Now, as we talk about this is my story, we want to look at this idea of prologue. Everybody say prologue. Prologue, what is that? This is the part of the front of the book that we often skip over. Hello? Hello? How many of you prefer the cliff notes of everything? Kind of the computers for dummies. It's kind of just the single index card with the highlights that when you open the box and there's an instruction book of 25 pages, they've gotten smart in advertising and in in putting things together, and they have a full-color brochure, front and back, and it's labeled 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, and 8, and it has pictures and arrows, and swoops, and animations on it, and then you say, you take the construction book off to the side, it's actually the instruction book, I always called it the construction book, and you take the full color guide, and you just look at that, and then if you can't figure that out, what do you do? Call somebody, bring in the geek squad, ask the husband, call in the grandkids, and get some help. And so, what I want to cover with you this morning is this idea of, this is my story, prologue. Let's not skip over the front of the book. In fact, if we're not careful, we don't realize that the entire Bible is a prologue to your story. Hello? Some would argue that it's prologue and afterward. It's the opening, then what's in between is what happens in your life, and then at the end is that which God had laid out before you as a possibility. God's story is the background for every other story. God's story is the prologue for every book that he is writing. In fact, I'm going to challenge you to look at your life as a book that someone has been writing. And the question that we have to decide is, have we been writing it, or do I have a ghostwriter? Do I have somebody who has been coaching me, leading me, directing me, and what has been happening is the flowing pen of the Holy Spirit working through inspiration in my life, transforming and changing, and bringing out of the ash heap of my past, my difficulties, my defeats, my successes, 
as well as my failures, whatever is back there, the good, the bad, and the ugly, that he has by his grace been moving and working through that background of my life, and he is actually in the business of writing a story. God's story is the background for every other story. It is the foundation, and it begins like this. Not once upon a time, but... And not it was the best of times and it was the worst of times, but it begins in Genesis chapter 1, verse number 1 with, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The whole prologue begins with God. We, we know that even that is in debate today. We know that we instinctively, we know that within our culture, within our educational systems, within everything that we're dealing with, this is the big question. Is there really a God? Has everything begun on its own spontaneously through mathematical interplay? Or is there an intelligent design and therefore an intelligent designer and if, in fact, this has not happenstanced into existence, but it has been carefully crafted and brought into existence, then what about my life? <clears throat> and I wonder what that creator would have to say. In the context of this is my story, I wonder what the author is up to. I wonder what he has in mind for me. I wonder what sort of answer I might have to give. Now, as soon as we get into accountability, all of us get a little nervous and say, thank you very much, Pastor, but I would prefer to believe there isn't a God. Because if there isn't a God, then everything is happenstantial, and I have no one to answer to, and I do not have to be accountable. But notice that the prologue of your story goes way back in time to the beginning. Not a once upon the time, but in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And Revelation chapter 4, verse number 11 says, gives us a glimpse into this throne room of His majesty that's going on right now. And we get this scene here of praise and worship, and we hear these words, You are worthy, our Lord and God. Who's this? The same one in Genesis chapter 1, verse number 1 we now see in Revelation chapter 4, verse 11, and, it's, and they say, to receive glory and honor and power. Notice those are three things because they're speaking of the Godhead and the completion of the Godhead. But they're glory and honor and power. Let's say those three words together. Glory, honor, power. For you created all things. The book of Colossians and others constantly open up their thoughts with this foundation, this prologue. The prologue slips in to Colossians and to other books where they say, look, it all starts with everything was created, everything was made by and for Him. There's nothing that exists that has not been created by and for Him. So it starts with this. Let's not skip over this prologue because this is actually the story behind the story. This is God's story which serves as the prologue to your story. God created everything. 
Creation best exists when it functions to reveal and acknowledge His glory, honor, and power. Think about that. Let's personalize that. My story is best written when it is written in such a way as that it reveals this God, acknowledges this God, and then gives Him glory, honor, and power. Sounds so simple, doesn't it? But what a challenge it is to live out in our life. God created everything. Creation best exists. This is the best way to live. How should we then live? How should I live? I should live, I should be living in such a way as to be an ongoing adventure to discover, to find out, to seek, and to know this God and what it is He expects and what He has done. And I've got some great news for you. I found 66 books that are bound together called the Bible. And they are written in so many versions, you can even get it on an iPhone or Android. You can get it on a laptop. You can get audio versions. You have it in Braille. It comes in every language that is known upon the earth. There are many languages it's being spoken in that don't even have a written language, and it cannot be written in. There are missionaries going now into places all over the earth where people only have a spoken language and they're discovering the language, translating it through the help of technology, and people for the first time are hearing from cover to cover all of the story, the prologue for their life, the basis for their life, that God created everything and they can know this God. Would you give the Lord a hand clap of praise? When my life is not functioning well, it's because I've forgotten that it's supposed to be built on, first of all, acknowledging in Him, and secondly, revealing Him. That I am a revealer of God in the physical world, that He wants to actually make Himself known. The invisible God actually wants to make Himself known through human beings. Isn't that a great thought? And He wants us to reveal His glory and honor power and reflect back to Him His glory, honor, and power and acknowledge His glory, honor, and power. Next, I want us to consider Genesis chapter 1. Same book, in the beginning, right? Its very title means beginning. Genesis 1.27 says, So God created mankind in His own image. Wait a minute. It's something that he created everything that exists. But now it gives us some detail. Let's go down a little bit deeper. This is something that needs to speak to us about humanity, needs to speak to us about our own hearts. And I believe it can speak to us about why things are turning sideways on us in 2020 and why there is so much unrest and so much dispute and so much anger built around the idea of racism and built around the difference amongst People. Do you ever wonder about that? What's the fuel for this? What, and why is it that the devil can get a hold of that so powerfully? I think I've got an answer for you. If nothing else, you can say in point number two, pastor gave me an answer, a simple answer, almost too simple, for why this is going on in our streets and why this is going on in the world today. And it's not just here. It's around the globe. 
It says, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Oh, that's interesting. Did you notice it says that right there? Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Number two, God created humanity. And I've got to interrupt myself right there and say this. By the way, there's not seven points. Some of you are going, what time is it? He said, he didn't say how many points he has. So everybody just stop right now and go, okay, okay. We're done with seven things summer, okay? And now here we are, point number two of 27. No, I'm, no, I'm kidding. God created humanity to reflect his image in the physical world and represent him. This means that no matter what color someone is, no matter whether they're male or female, what is humanity built to do? Reflect God into the physical world. How's that for a great equalizer? Why is it that people, they, because they lose sight of the great distinction that God not only has made everything, but wait, there's more detail. He has decided that human beings are going to be unique amongst all his creation, both heavenly and earthly, no matter what it is, that they are going to be unique in this way, that they are going to reflect his glory, his image. They're going to tell the story of him in the very way that they function and are built they are going to speak about him into the physical world. And he gives them the responsibility to rule, to subject things under their concern. Now, this doesn't mean to cruelly lord over, beat, and punish. This means to serve and bring to its best potential. This is the idea of serving and husbandry. How many of you know if you get animals you're now in the serving business. I remember there was a time when my father-in-law and mother-in-law in Florida were at times not able to visit for very long, if at all. And the reason was very simple. Birds. What? No, they were not kept from visiting us by attacks of birds. They had taken in over a process of time, different kinds of birds, and if they left, who did they have to feed the birds? They were not out flying free, gathering their own food. They were completely 100% dependent upon them. And how many of you automatically think, who's going to keep the dog? Who's going to do this? Who's going to do that? Because when you take on animals, and we try to teach our children this, when I bring home a puppy, you are now in the servanthood business. Because there are things that need to be fed, things that need to be cleaned up after they've been fed, because they've been fed, and because they have been watered. There's tanks to be cleaned and changed out. It's not just as simple as saying, oh, pretty, isn't that nice? But you've just taken on, when it gets sick, now it's off to the vet, right? And anybody who has raised horses and cows, no, 
that every time something goes wrong, they hear a big ka-ching noise. Cha-ching, because this is going to be expensive to take care of this issue. So when he called humanity, it was for us to lead, but to do so through servant leadership. To have a place of representing him in the physical world. And there are so many breeds of animals and kinds of situations that always do better when they have a good shepherd. When they have a good steward. When a human being is taking care of them, they grow right, they develop right. But when they go wild, there's things that happen that are bad, that are disease prone, and so on and so forth. So God created his creation in such a way that man was not only top of the heap, but he was an essential key to it working properly, and that man needed to be in relationship with him in order for it to work. Now, what happens when men do not realize who has made them and how they have been called and what their job is? They find their own job, they find their own way, and the world goes to hell in a handbasket. Some of you said, Pastor, you said hell in church. I can because it's in the Bible. It absolutely happens. What happens, though, when we come into relationship with the Lord and we know Him, now His, his prologue, His history is being part of our life, and then He reveals Himself into this world, and things turn for the better every time. God created humanity to reflect His image in the physical world and to represent Him. We're going to go on to the third point. And the Lord God said, The man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. He must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. So the Lord God banished him. Everybody say banished. From the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had been taken And after he drove the man out, he placed on the east side of the Garden of Eden cherubim and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. The story is very simple. Humanity disobeyed, and all of the earthly realm suffers as a result. How do we explain the suffering in the world today? It's the same suffering that's been in the world all the way back to right after the Garden of Eden. And what does it all stem from? It all comes from a disobedience of human beings who chose that they thought their plan was better than God's plan. Their positioning was better than God's positioning. And their resources were more to be sought after than what God had provided And so what they did was they had listened to the voice of a deceiver who offered them an easier, cheaper, simpler way to live, and as a result, they found themselves eating themselves out of house and home. There's that silly joke again. Humanity disobeyed, and all of the earthly realm suffers as a result. Whenever we get out of alignment with the Creator's plan, havoc results. Hello? Why is there havoc in the earth? Why are these things going on? The basic simple answer is this. People either do not know that there is a creator who has created them and has a plan for their life to bless them, or 
People do not like the plan that the Creator has revealed, and they've bought into the lie that there is another way to go about finding life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And all I can say to you is, good luck, you're going to need it, because there is no blessing where you're heading. You're heading down the wrong road. It's a road of disobedience. You're out of alignment with the Creator. You're out of the alignment with your purpose. And you're not representing Him well in the physical world. And life just does not work that way. Amen? Root awakening. Let's go on. For God so loved the world. Some of you are saying, that's a downer, Pastor. But it's the truth. Humankind fell. We've got to deal with it. The fallenness of mankind is a real thing, and it presents itself in every relationship, every circumstance, every educational opportunity. It is ubiquitous, meaning it's everywhere all the time, and it cannot be escaped. John 3.16 says, I've got some great news for you. This should lighten the mood a little bit. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son. For God so loved the world that had disobeyed him, disregarded him, walked away from him, ceased to reveal his glory, honor, and praises, had decided to go its own way, went into darkness, went into ruin, abandoned its post, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, which is the inevitable consequence of doing that, but have eternal life. Amen. Revelation chapter 20, verses 12 through 15, has to be mentioned because it's part of the prologue. We want to skip over this, but it's part of God's story to humanity. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged. Uh Uh-oh. Accountability. We don't like to hear that word. Everybody say judged. Okay. The dead were judged. This is one of the most famous lines that people love to use today. Oh, don't judge me. That's awful judgmental. Well, it's in the prologue, folks. It's in the beginning of the book. And in order to write your story successfully, you're going to have to match it up with the prologue. It's going to have to be a continuation from the prologue to the epilogue. And in between needs to be written your story and my story. And, And don't you notice that the books are opened and there's stuff in the books So the idea of writing and authoring is not unique to us and to me, but it's something which begins with the Lord. Another book was opened, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. Remember I told you we're all writing a story? Not only are we writing a story, but there's a story being written in heaven. Your story's being written there, and you are going to be judged according to your activities upon the earth in relationship to God's prologue. The sea gave up the dead that were in it, and each person was judged according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death, and anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. Some of you are saying, Pastor, I thought you were going to lighten up the mood. Doesn't sound like you're lighting it very well. That prologue's pretty heavy reading. How about this? God established the same Creator who created us and watched us go our own way into error. 
God established the way of redemption. Aren't you thankful for that? Give the Lord a hand clap. That's great news. Jesus would proclaim in John chapter 14, I am the way, the truth, the life. The same Father who made you and you went astray is the same loving Father who has made a way through me so that you who were lost in trespasses and sin could come back into alignment rather than all being lost. You could That which was lost could be found. That which had gone into darkness could come to light. That which was given up could be reclaimed. That which God was grieved over could now be brought with rejoicing back into his home. Give the Lord another hand clap. That's great news. That's great news. God established the way of redemption. And by the way, when we hear your stories and you hear the stories of Vision Church and the people of Vision Church, we're going to really put some emphasis on talk about your redemption. Talk about what Jesus has done to pay the price and how that has begun to turn things around. We should all just get something right off our shoulders right now, and that is every one of us, when Jesus found us, was going our own way. We were lost, no matter how irreligious or religious we were. No matter how nice and pleasant or churlish and mean we were, we, we were found by Jesus. We were lost. And in our condition, we were going to continue to be lost, and our name was not written in the Lamb's Book of Life. But thanks be to God, He has acted to establish the way of redemption. Amen. Amen. Now, let's go on and prepare to wrap this up. In fact, uh, Brother Will, if you'd come, I'm going to ask you to just play as we prepare to pray. And I want to remind you, if you, as always, at the close of the service, if there's something in this message or something else that you just want to come and find a time of prayer just to maybe lock something in with the Lord or respond to what the Holy Spirit has been speaking to your heart, it's a great thing to respond to the Holy Spirit when He touches you, when there's a moment that just seems to come when something opens up. Man, that is a great time to kind of cement the deal. Let the seed go in a little bit deeper. Put some water on that thing and let it move towards a harvest rather than saying, oh, it was a great thought, but now I lost it. And so I just want to kind of let you know that as we go into this final point and close. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse number 11. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. God has plans. God has plans for you. God's a planner. God has a plan. In fact, look at your neighbor and say, God has a plan for you. God has a plan for you. They are plans for good. Some people think the Lord's always cooking up evil. No, no, no. If he wanted to take you down, he'd done it a long time ago. Still breathing? God is good. He's looking for a way to redeem you and rescue you, not damn you to an eternal hell. They are plans for good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope, a positive outlook towards that future. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 17, we hear this from the Apostle Paul. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. A new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. He loves to take the old chapters you were writing and come in with his red pen 
the blood, the spilt blood of Jesus Christ, write it across those chapters and say, hey, let's set those aside right now. Let's start a new book. I've already got the prologue, but let's open with chapter one. When it was that you encountered me and when the gospel became real and alive to you and how things began to change. And then we're going to take these old stories that you were writing and we're going to edit those and we're going to reintroduce them in later chapters and they're going to be redeemed. They're going to be turned around and I'm going to take those things and baptize those and transform those and change them. And when I get done with this, these are going to be chapters after chapters after chapters of a book that when somebody reads it and handles it, that it will challenge them and change their life. Give the Lord a hand clap this morning. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. Here's the great news this morning. God is still writing stories. Time still going on. Jesus has not returned. The end has not come. Judgment has not been poured out. We're not standing before a great white throne ready to give account yet, which means we have time right now. We have opportunity right now to come before God and say, God, I heard you're still writing stories. You're still in the authoring business. You're still in the editing business. You know how to take this stuff, set it aside, give me some fresh pages, and begin again in a chapter one. And then when you get done, all this material can all be brought back in. And when it comes to the end, people can read that and see that and witness that and go, there is a God. He is the creator. He still works today. He still loves. And if he can do that for you, he can do that for me. Give the Lord another hand clap. God is still writing stories. So God's story is the prologue to your story. It's got to start with the prologue. You've got to accept that and come to that. And then once having accepted that, invite Him to write your story. And then realize this, He invites you to tell it. He invites you to share the prologue, and the story. He invites that to be opened up to other people and given away, no matter how silly, small, insignificant, or classic it may seem. There's somebody who needs to read your story. There's someone that you can reflect God's glory, honor, and praise to. There's somebody that can receive representation from you of God's great story. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to issue this challenge before we pray. If you're watching by YouTube or Facebook or you're here in this congregation this morning and you haven't accepted God's prologue, this is what troubles you. You see this idea of the creation of everything, answering the Creator, the one who has something in store for you and there's something in you that's always bristled and said, I thank you very much. I like to write my own story. I have a question for you. How's that going for you? And for the one who would honestly say, I really meant well when I started this story and I really wanted the characters to be developed much better and I really wanted the high moments to be higher and things to be more positive as no matter how much I intended, worked and wanted, it didn't seem to come to pass Here's my question. 
Are you willing to let the master author slip in and take your work and say, let's set that aside for a moment and let's start with this. This is my story. You were broken and lost, but I came and I died and I rose again and I have new life for you, but you need to take and accept my prologue. You need to accept my story. And if you're here under the sound of my voice or somewhere on the internet, right where you are, you can bow your heart and say, God, you can see the story I've tried to write and I really intended well. It hasn't come together well. I need you. You're the master creator. You're the greatest author ever. And I need you to write. I need you to help me. I need you to take me under your arm and I need your help developing this story. I want to reflect your glory, honor, and praise. I want you to receive the glory and the honor. I want to have a revelation of you, and I want to reflect you into my world. Can I really do that? And your answer, Lord, is yes. You can wash away our sin, our brokenness, our error. You can forgive us our trespasses, and you can make us a new creation if we'll just accept that by faith. And I pray for those that are laboring and struggling and wrestling with that, that this would be a moment of faith. In Jesus' name, amen. For the rest of you, you would all just stand to your feet. How many of you right where you're standing would say, I need some help accepting God's prologue. I'm having some problems with some of the things in God's story. Or, I'm really needing the Lord to help me write my story better. Or, Could it be that my story would actually impact somebody's life and make a difference? Maybe you need to take heart and say, God, you can use my story. So right where you're standing, if you lift up a hand of surrender to the Lord and say, Lord, here's my life, here's my story. You can see where I've been writing it. You can see where you have been trying to write it. Lord, help me to get into the second chair. Help me to submit and surrender. And Lord, would you would you just speak an encouraging word into those that are struggling and saying, how is it that my life could be inspirational? How is it that my life could challenge or change somebody? It can with the, with the help and the power of God. How is it, Lord, that at my age, how is it, Lord, with my lack of experience, Let this just be a moment of saying, Lord, no matter how inexperienced I think I am or no matter how much I think I've blown it or no matter how much I think I'm irrelevant, Lord, you're the great master storyteller. You've already written the prologue and now you want to fit my life in. And you have some great chapters yet to write. So I'm just going to say to you, Lord, right away. (laughs) Lord, shape me. Direct me, lead me, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope that you've been touched by God's grace. As you've listened to our podcast today, we'd love to hear your response via email. And the address is podcast at visionchurch.ag. Podcast at visionchurch.ag. And if you're in the area and don't have a church home, we'd love for you to come and visit us personally. We're located at 4024 Dakota Trail in Lake Worth, Texas. We together have a vision, seeing Jesus for us, in us, and through us.